0: From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel
1: Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Governor Kate Brown is expected to call Oregon lawmakers into a special session soon to address the coronavirus crisis. House Speaker Tina Kotek joins us with a look at what they might tackle in that session and we'll get her perspective on the pandemic. Then later we talk about how the crisis is affecting those with substance abuse issues. Addiction doesn't take a vacation, especially during a crisis. We look at the help available through Hazelden Betty Ford Treatment Centers. And we hear from an Olympic gold medal winner who fought addiction and offers hope for recovery. First, welcome to my guest, Oregon Speaker of the House, Democrat Tina Kotek. Speaker Kotek, thank you for joining us here on Straight Talk. It's great to have you here, even though it's just a video chat.
2: Thank you, Laurel. It's nice to have uh, this opportunity. It's good to see you.
1: It's good to see you too we're all living through something that none of us has experienced before and a lot of Oregonians are hurting financially emotionally a lot of people are afraid about an uncertain future what have you heard from Oregonians and what do you want to say to them
2: well first of all I want to say thank you Uh, many legislators are hearing from their constituents every single day And I'm just so proud of how Oregonians are stepping up in these difficult times, following the governor's directive of stay home, save lives. Just doing everything they can to help their neighbors, to do the right thing. It's it's been really impressive and inspiring, and I know legislators are hearing from people. Like I said, every day, housing, uh, unemployment, uh, worried about how they're going to educate their their kids when uh, in in school. Schools are closed now, so um, I just I just want everyone to know that legislators are listening, and they want to be helpful. And everyone's going through a tough time right now.
1: There are some encouraging signs that the curve is beginning to flatten that what people are doing. Staying home is working. How do you think the state has done in addressing this crisis? And how would you rate how Governor Brown has managed the pandemic?
2: Well, I was just on a call yesterday with some legislative leaders from other states and I can tell you that Oregon is leading the pack. I think we got out early in terms of our stay home directives. I think the governor has been following good scientific advice. When I see the level of cases and deaths in other states, it's really tragic. And I like, uh, you know, here in Oregon, we are we are managing the trajectory of the pandemic. We are not out of the woods yet, but everyone is contributing and following uh, as much as they can to stay home and follow directions, wash their hands, wear a face mask now. And I, and I think that's why we are doing so much better than other states.
1: The governor has had unprecedented executive powers through executive orders. Do you think the executive branch has had too much power or has it been appropriate for this situation? And where does that lead the legislature?
2: Well, I think the governor is being very, cautious in how she does executive orders. And they have been very important executive orders. For example, the moratorium on evictions has been really important, whether you're a residential tenant or a commercial tenant, very important. Uh, In fact, Oregon doesn't have some of the executive powers that maybe governors in other states have. So I think the governor is using it judiciously. And the role of the legislature would be to uh, complement that. go into areas that she can't do and that's what we're trying to figure out right now and i think she's following a very safe course
1: well let's talk a little bit about the role of the legislature in a a special session that may be coming up there are reports that you and the governor have differed on timing of that that she would like to wait until uh, a state revenue forecast comes out in may and we have a better idea of how much money is coming from the feds and that you wanted something sooner than later is that true and and what do you hope to accomplish in a special session
2: Well, what's most important for me and for many of my colleagues is to make sure that Oregonians have help right now. We feel good about the $2 trillion federal stimulus package that is coming, but it's going to take four to six weeks for that to really feel any kind of effect on the ground here in Oregon. But it is coming, and that's a good thing. For the legislature, we can either be in special session, as called by the governor, or we can and additionally do an emergency board, where an emergency board could Uh, spend some one-time emergency dollars for rent assistance or food assistance or helping small businesses. So I think that's what we're focusing on right now. In terms of a special session, there is a legislative concept ready and waiting for the governor. But right now we met with her yesterday and she is trying to figure out which of those things she can do by executive order and which things will need legislative action. So um, we are still talking, we are still communicating and we're doing this together because that's what the state of Oregon needs.
1: What do you think the chances are that there will be a special session and how effective might it be given what we saw happen with the short session that really was a failure ended abruptly and, and a lot of hard feelings between Republicans and Democrats?
2: Well, that was definitely where we were, what seems a lifetime ago. The world has changed. What was really good about the joint committee uh, that was formed for coronavirus response and initial an initial relief package, we had Republican and Democrats sitting down, most of it virtually, but sitting down together and coming together for a package. And it was a, a strong show of bipartisan support. Now we're waiting, uh, to when that is necessary for us to be in special session, the governor says she will call a special session. And there are both policy issues that have to be dealt with right away and budgetary issues. On the budgetary side, we might have to wait until after the revenue forecast, because uh, I think it'll be significantly different than what we had even three months
1: ago. Well, let's talk about that revenue. How do you balance all these immediate needs for the state and what's coming up for the next year? After all, you've already spent one year of the biennium budget. Um, Are there likely to be big cuts, I mean, you can't print money like the feds.
2: Yes, we have to balance our budget here in Oregon. We're not like uh, the federal government. So I was in the legislature during the great recession that began in 2008. I know what it means to cut budgets. And the upside is that we are in a better position than we were back in 2008. We have close to $2 billion in reserves that we can put towards a budget deficit. So I I feel confident that we will access those dollars. And then if we have to cut budgets, I think we have to do it carefully to not impact people's lives. We can do a lot of damage if we do not take it slow and look at where we are in terms of our budget. Because the other thing that's interesting about this recession that we're headed into um, is the pandemic's different. Where are we gonna be in September? Are we gonna have things back or is it gonna be even worse? I think we won't really know the impact completely of the budget challenges we have until the fall.
1: And there are rumors that there could be a several billion dollar budget deficit. Do you agree with that?
2: Yes, I think our economic forecasters are uh, accurate in saying we could be seeing a loss of two to three billion uh, excuse me um, yes two to three billion dollars in the state budget but like I said we have strong reserves I think we don't know how quickly the economy will rebound and I think that's why we have to uh, take it strategically and strategically slow to make sure that any cuts that we have to do uh, don't Uh, aren't deeper than they need to be and so right now I think a lot of people are focused on the response of the pandemic as they should be I'm starting to move ahead to think about that recovery in the sense of when the stay home save lives directive is lifted and we get back to some level of normalcy and I think it could be several several months what does the economy look like and why I've been pushing for an emergency board and some uh, funding right now is it's always better to keep people with their head above water as long as they can because as soon as businesses close or people are evicted or end up being homeless, it is very difficult to bring them back to stability. So the more we can do to keep people stable now and fill the gap before the federal dollars come through is really my focus.
1: A lot of people might have honed in on what you said about several months before we get back to some kind of normalcy. Let's talk about the stay at home orders. When do you think that we might be able to start reopening businesses? And do you think that would be a a phased in approach, maybe looking at urban and rural or maybe by age groups?
2: I think we have to follow what the governor and the Oregon Health Authority has been saying. We should only lift those directives when we have good public health information and good data to say we've reached a certain point in the pandemic. We don't want to do it too early because then it, the pandemic, the virus, and the infection rates could uh, swell up again. We don't want to see that. So um, I think people have to be patient. I don't think it's about the economy. I think it's about the, the science of uh, the public health issue we are faced with because we don't wanna do it too early. So um, we have to see a certain drop off in cases and certainly deaths. And frankly, I don't think everything gets back to normal until we have uh, a vaccine and we're living in a new world. And I hope it's an opportunity for us to take care of each other a lot better than we did before the pandemic. Because a lot of the problems we had before the pandemic, like affordable housing is still here and it's getting worse because of the pandemic.
1: A lot of businesses would like to see legislators delay the so-called corporate activity tax. It was part of that Student Mm -hmm. Success Act that was supposed to bring in a billion dollars a year for schools. Uh, I think their first payment is due this month. A lot of them say the timing couldn't be worse, that if they have to pay that tax, they may have to lay off people, in some cases more people. Are you supportive of delaying that tax or phasing it in?
2: I'm not supportive of delaying the payments. The new business tax, the corporate activities tax, um, is only going to hurt certain businesses. Um, well, businesses are going to be hit differently. So let me just say this our primary focus right now is small businesses. Many small businesses will not even pay the corporate activities tax. And as we can see from this economic downturn, some businesses are doing just fine and others are struggling. If we're going to delay payments, if we were to do that, we'd have to get it right. But right now, my focus is small business, and they, and that is not about the corporate activities tax. The other issue is we are using the dollars from that new tax to pay for this year's school budget and next year's school budget. That's not even talking about the expansion with the Student Success Act. So while I understand where businesses are coming from, I don't think it's fair to say it's all businesses need that break, and certainly small businesses are least impacted by corporate activities tax and we need to be spending money to help them now.
1: When this is all over and we come through this and it might be, as you say, when we get a vaccine another year or 18 months, what do you hope we have learned from this as a state and how we could be better prepared with our economy and our healthcare system in the possibility that we would have another pandemic? Well, the one thing
2: I wanna be hopeful here and I think Oregon can be very, of some of the things that we have done. For example, a few years ago, we passed uh, paid sick leave. And if you work for someone with over 10 employees, you have access to paid sick leave because of changes we made five years ago. That is something that other states don't have, and we have that. Um, But we also have a a housing affordability problem. So I think we we need to focus on improving that. Um, I will say that our healthcare system is strong it is um, responsive to the needs we have now. I think if we learn anything from this and there will be plenty of time for postmortems and and looking about what we have done here, I think there are a lot of uh, positive stories coming out of this uh, response to the pandemic. And um, as always, knowing how to be better prepared is something you learn after the fact. Right now we want to keep people safe and healthy. And uh, right now we are managing the crisis very well. And I just, again, want to thank Oregonians for doing their part. This is not one government or one organization. This is everybody pulling together to do the right thing for the state.
1: We're almost out of time, but I did want to mention just 30 seconds left that you have been working at the food bank.
2: Yeah, well, the, the Statewide Food Bank uh, network is in my district, but I've also I've been volunteering at my local food pantry. So the reason I've been volunteering is before the pandemic, they had a, a opportunity where people could come and shop uh, and pick out foods off shelves of things they needed in their emergency food box, so it was much more consumer friendly. We can't do that anymore. We're now doing uh, delivering boxes to people in their cars while they're staying in their cars. And because it is more labor intensive, my pantry needed some folks who were a little younger and who could actually move some boxes. So I didn't volunteer before, but I am now because we are serving. Last year we served a thousand uh, people a month. Those numbers are up, and it's more time intensive to take a box and put it in someone's car. You have to bring it up a ramp and put it in a car, and that's why I've been helping out.
1: Well, thank you, House Speaker Tina Kotek, for that and for joining us here on Stray Talk. Thank you, Laurel. Stay safe. You Stay too. healthy. Coming up next, a lot of Americans are doubling down on their worst habits as a means of coping during the coronavirus crisis. Alcohol sales are soaring and experts say the pandemic could have a long lasting impact on the health of Americans. Coming up next, we hear from some of the experts at the Hazelden Betty Ford Treatment Center on what they're doing to help. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter. This pandemic is especially tough for people feeling isolated and for those with substance abuse issues. For help, we turn to the nation's leading nonprofit addiction treatment provider, the Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation. Heidi Wallace is the Director of Oregon Operations and Carrie Bates is Community Outreach Representative in Oregon. She's also a three-time Olympic gold medal swimmer who struggled with addiction herself and has her own story of recovery. They're both here with us now to offer help and hope. Welcome, Heidi and Carrie to Stray Talk. It's great to have you back. Thanks, Thank Laura, great to be back. Let's start with Heidi. How tough is this time for people who might have substance abuse issues? And are you seeing more people reach out to Hazelden Betty Ford Treatment Centers?
3: Absolutely, this is a really tough time. I mean, addiction breeds isolation, stress, anxiety, depression, and loneliness more than anything else. And it um, is a breeding ground for people struggling. So for individuals that are struggling or, or even in recovery, this is a vital time for people to be reaching out um, in different ways and unique ways and innovative ways to seek long-term recovery. And people are reaching out to us. Um, We're treating more people in a virtual capacity than we ever have before. And we still see people coming into our residential treatment centers um, because we need to be open so that they aren't, um, individuals aren't going into our local hospitals where we really need to be treating those um, with the COVID-19 and other um, medical conditions. So it's our responsibility to stay open with our residential and provide a virtual platform. And we're doing that. And we've been doing virtual for three weeks now. So it's been, we gotta get to more people that are struggling and that's what we're doing.
1: And, and it would seem that a lot of people are struggling. There's some stats from Nielsen that says that alcohol sales for the week of March 21st were up 55 percent. Spirits up 75 percent. Wine use up 66 percent. Beer sales up 42 percent. And online alcohol sales were up 243 percent. Carrie, how would you describe this time for people who struggle with substance abuse? How, how difficult is it?
0: You know, this is a really a really difficult time, Laurel, for people like myself that struggle with substance use disorder, even those of us that have been in long-term recovery. Um, as Heidi mentioned, uh, this is a disease that's rooted in isolation. And um, and so when, when we are being forced to be removed from our support, our support groups, um, uh, it can be very challenging. And so we have to take extra measures now To make sure that we're staying connected with the recovery community via um, zoom and online meetings Um, and whatever that looks like for what what we need we have to seek it out but we're asking people in early recovery to seek out these resources when they they don't necessarily have the tools yet to know how to do that and i even have to remind myself every day to do the things that I know that work for me. And
1: part of that is not to get in that very comfortable place of isolation. Well, a lot of people would look at you and say, hey, she's an Olympic swimmer, won three gold medals. You've been in recovery for a number of years, but it, it's tough even for you?
0: Of course. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that I'll ever be immune to the, um, to the symptoms of the disease of addiction, no matter how long I stay sober. I do have the years of tools and experience as a woman living in long-term recovery to fall back on, but I have to actually use them every day in order to maintain my sobriety. So um, I, I can't afford to get complacent even at, um, any, at, at any time, let alone a time that the entire world is living under a tremendous amount of stress, anxiety, um, and isolation all of which contribute heavily to the disease of addiction.
1: Heidi, your inpatient treatment center in Newburgh is open. How are you dealing with that in this time of social distancing? How are you keeping people safe?
3: Yeah, we've been put measures into place over, um, actually almost two m- months ago, um, back in January with our pre-screening questions, um, but then when things really started to hit the United States, we started to up that, we really are following the CDC guidelines, we have a national incident command, we have a local incident command center, just like you would in any kind of emergency preparedness, we have a pandemic plan, just like any other hospital would be following at this time. So. We're using our PPE equipment that we have. Um, we're getting creative in terms of, you know, the virtual for our outpatient and moving everything to that platform. And we're taking temperatures. We're following um, the Oregon Health Authority has given us a lot of guidelines on what how, what to follow. So just working with your state and your local um, services that are out there helping to guide us to do what we need to do to keep people safe. So um, the, the outpatient- in no way can we stop it from Oh,
1: go ahead. I was just going to say that the outpatient center in Beaverton is closed, but you talk about the virtual therapy. How is that working? How does that work?
3: Well, what's great about the virtual is historically, you would have only been able to see people in Beaverton or around the Portland metro area. And right now we're admitting people all over the state of Oregon and Washington. So individuals that are living in Southwest Washington, like Vancouver, we now have a virtual platform for those individuals. People that live in Pendleton, that live in different parts of the state that wouldn't necessarily have had that access, now have it and we are doing groups. And so we're actually in such in three weeks, we've had three weeks of um, outpatient going and we're hitting people that in communities we've never been able to treat on an outpatient before.
1: And this was really, something really
3: wonderful that
1: you were going to launch earlier, right? That this was something you're working on even before the pandemic.
3: Yes, we had already piloted this in um, California and for almost nine months and we we're, were really working out the bugs and how do you um, get payment for it and everything. And um, the COVID-19 you know, response has really moved everything fast, not only as an agency, but our payers, pay, the people, you know, insurance companies are going, we're going to cover this. We want to make this happen. Um, and so, yeah, it's everybody coming together to make it happen fast. And luckily we were... Uh, nine months ahead of the game so it was we were you know we went from six to over 1500 um, in one week which is a lot but um, we did it and we've done it successfully and it just keeps growing every day
1: Carrie what advice do you have for people uh, to to take care of themselves and with healthy coping yeah the advice
0: that I would give people um, now is that if you're early in recovery or even in that um, place where you're contemplating getting sober still reach out to the services that you would likely reach out to even before COVID-19. If you feel like you need treatment, reach out. Um, there's a lot of resources out there. and Buddy Ford is still open um, within our residential sites and we're providing great virtual care on an outpatient level, including mental health, not just for your substance use disorder, but that virtual outpatient is also addressing mental health issues as well. The other things that um, there's so many resources virtually right now within our own community as well. Um, Hazelden also has um, a a website called The Daily Pledge where you can find tons and tons of of online recovery meetings. And the Alano Club in Portland is also another amazing resource for our local community, our local recovery community whether you're just now contemplating getting sober or you have a significant amount
1: of time in recovery, those are resources that can be really, really helpful. Let me uh, just mention those websites again that you mentioned, Carrie, uh, the dailypledge.org. The dailypledge.org, if you're looking for a support group, if you're feeling isolated, anyone can drop into these chat rooms. They're free 24 7. Also, the website HazeldenBettyFord.org. They have all kinds of resources, links, free mobile recovery apps. So, those are good resources. We just have about a minute left, uh, Heidi, but I wanted to ask you you know, you're all about Hope that there is hope and this isn't a time for people to be alone. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
3: Yeah, there's more hope than ever. I mean, that's why you know if you're living in a small community that you thought there it wasn't available to you, it's now available to you and you know, I'm always trying to find the you know, the positive out of these really um, tragic, scary times for individuals and we also are seeing communities coming together, people coming together more than ever, even though we're in social distancing. And so. That's what this is about, and there's a. I see hope every day, whether it's through interacting. Um, I have actually a. My daughter has a birthday party today, and I did it by a Zoom meeting. This is not something I would have even considered a year ago. So there is hope for everybody that have, um, no matter what is happening for them. There's there's so much hope in this world, and that's what we are. We treat. That's what we do. That's the antidote
1: to addiction: is hope. Happy birthday to your daughter too. Just quickly, carry about thirty seconds left. A final thought from you.
0: You know, I would say the key ingredient to sobriety is connection, and so we have to make every effort to stay connected with those of us that are in recovery, and um, and not and not get stuck in that um, isolation at home. So please reach out. Please get online. There's so many resources at our fingertips. It's not the traditional customary recovery um, outlets that we normally have, but they're there and
1: take advantage of them. Thank you, Carrie and Heidi, for joining us here on Stray Talk. Thanks, Laurel. Thank you, Laurel. And thank you for watching and listening. Don't forget to download our new podcast. Here's a QR code that will take you to a link where you can download it or get it wherever you get your podcast. Just search for KGW Straight Talk. We'll see you next week. Stay home and stay safe.